Kings. It said that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. But what about our self-value? Today, we begin to evaluate where we ourselves place our own personal value and is it time to relocate? We can only begin to explore this in this episode titled Self-Esteem Versus. Now I remember back in school when FUBU clothing was in style. Everybody wanted FUBU. FUBU is an urban clothing line and they had just recently came out with jeans that had characters from the Fat Albert cartoon on them. The show Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids was a black cast of cartoon from the early 70s. These Fat Albert jeans were like applying Instacool. I mean, you wore them at school and bam, you were instantly cool. The jeans, they were cool, but expensive. I mean, very expensive. And there was no way I'd be able to convince my mom to put in that much for jeans. Lucky for me that although they were nice, they weren't really my style, so I didn't want them. But I knew a guy, and he wanted them. And he wanted them bad. And somehow, some way, one day he was able to strut into school with those jeans on, clearly anticipating the reactions that came with adorning such coveted apparel. And he got it. The extra looks, the compliments, and even sprinkles of hate were all the welcome side effects of such a garment. His walk changed. His talk changed. His confidence caused the courage he needed for clearance into coveted social circles. It was the best of times. Now the only problem was that that was his only outfit on that level. On the days following, we would notice how gravity would gradually reclaim its position, pulling on his chin, pulling on his shoulders, as he would walk down the halls or across the lunchroom. He found himself more and more on the fringes of those coveted social circles. And sure, he could wear those pants again the next week and the next, but only to make it more and more clear that he couldn't keep it up. The clock had struck 12 on the status that he desired. Soon, time moved on, and so did the trends, and people moved on, on to the next thing, the next look. Now, what didn't change was my man in those FUBU jeans. Kings. He had invested so much just trying to get those jeans that that was really about all that he could wear. Some of last year's jeans were too snug, and this was early 2000s. Fashion hadn't gotten there yet. I watched how the possession of this status symbol, the Fat Albert Fubu jeans, morphed into an object of ridicule, a haunting symbol of Styles' past. I actually ran into the guy last year. Same jeans. <laughs> I'm joking. Only joking. But, as I reflect back on that story, 
a handful of things stuck out to me. One being the difference in the way that he carried himself, depending on if he was wearing those jeans and when he wasn't. And in watching that change, I recall realizing that even as he would strut down the halls and into the lunchroom, that he didn't really have self-esteem. He had stuff-esteem, a conditional confidence based on what he possessed. And as a side note, I'm sure that you've noticed that our first two podcast episodes were related to high school experiences. What's interesting to me is that when I was a child, even way before high school, for some reason, I thought that when people became adults, that they, for the most part, were all of a sudden no longer insecure, that they had healthy self-esteems, and pretty much had figured it out. I know now that's an extremely naive notion. But it was around the time of high school when I began to realize that these issues didn't end at graduations. They would instead travel with us across the graduation stage, down wedding aisles, and potentially into many facets of our lives, even our children, unless we combat it. So our healing is a necessity. Now there are two things I want us to focus on today and they both involve recognition. The first is recognizing how we react to our lack. Too often now I see the symptoms of stuff esteem and it's not just stuff. And don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having nice things. There is, however, a danger in investing on the outside while allowing the inside to suffer. It kind of reminds me of how Jesus referred to the Pharisees as cups who were clean on the outside, yet quite different on the inside. See, the Pharisees placed their effort on the exterior. And over time, we too have become more and more comfortable and more and more adept at working on our appearance, working on our smiles, allowing those smiles to continue to protect us from the help that we need and can be so often afraid to get. Yet, we continue on as we were. We also tend to develop a weird relationship with our issues and or our coping mechanisms. We learn to live amongst them for so long that we become to accept it as a part of our identity. This is why I think that just telling somebody to, quote, be themselves is advice that is, at best, incomplete. I believe that we often mistake ourselves, our true selves, through the lenses of our issues and our coping mechanisms. We also misplace our value in how we and how society receives us. So with all that said, before we can, quote, be ourselves, we must first find ourselves. Which leads us to our second recognition. Recognizing 
who are you really? And will continuing as we were rob us from knowing our true selves? One thing that I love about striving for a productive relationship in Christ is that as you're better knowing him, he's revealing the better you. Here's a quick exercise. Since I believe that vision drives decision, I really think it's a good idea to pray for and begin to consider who are you really? Who are you without depression? How are you different without low self-esteem? Have you met the version of yourself that doesn't utterly depend on the approval of others? The version of yourself that doesn't need the numbness. The version of yourself that doesn't need the mask. And yes, that doesn't even need the FUBU jeans. Would you like to become the version of yourself that has productively overcome the abuses that you've endured? Well, good news is that that person exists. Even for the victimizers, yes, the abusers, the rapists, the pedophiles, God loves you too. And God's version of you also exists. The version that doesn't need to give in to those urges or chooses not to bow down to that anger. God's version of yourself equips you with the power to not succumb to those urges. I know that what I just said will make some people very uncomfortable. And as an additional side note, this kind of harkens back to us when we talked about the challenge of not letting the devil win twice, even in the life of the guilty. Because the, quote, road to redemption is still available to all who have breath. Now, am I saying that the exercise of just envisioning things differently will make all the difference? No, it very well may not. But as we journey, it will begin to help us to endure. And it will begin to help us appreciate the slow-moving miracles that God is wanting to do in our lives. Now, this is about a part, the part of the talk where I'm supposed to tell you about joining the local church and how that's the way and, and it will cleanse you of your ills and give it to Jesus and it'll be all right. And I wish it were that simple. But the truth is, is that we're co-laborers with him. So it's on us too. It's on us to both put it in God's hands and to do the work to keep it in God's hands, which involves prayer, faith, humility, obedience, and his word, just to name a few. And because we've tried our own remedies, we know better than most that our temporary solutions are truly no solution at all. And that there's a difference in filling a void and healing a void. I find that a lot of times that issues from things connected from our past seem to crawl out of the empty and unhealed places inside of us. And sadly, some of these empty places, these unhealed places, 
these voids are of no fault of our own. And it's all too common for us to engage in or consume, fill in the blank, in exchange for one more step towards healing. It's kind of like these voids are treated like ancient gods that we bring sacrifices to in order to only temporarily satisfy. Insecurity needs one thing. Low self-esteem may demand another thing. And depression, well, that requires something else. And let's be honest, most of us don't have just one issue to deal with, but rather a customized cocktail of issues. And sometimes we don't know any better than to drink from this cup. All the while, with the devil, with society, with our past, standing right beside us, ready to refill. And though what's in this episode may not amount to the healing that most all of us in some way need, I pray it starts the journey. And maybe it doesn't bring about the clear vision of truly who God has designed you to be. And even if that's true, even if you don't leave with a clear vision, my prayer is that where you were once blind, that you, as Mark 8, 24 says, begin to see men as trees. And that that encourages you to keep pressing forward. And that it can be said of you that as he went, he was healed. Kings, I want to thank you guys for hanging in there with me. And I also want to let you know that I am super excited about our next episode already. See, we're going to shake it up a little the next time. Because I want us to build community and I also want us to build fellowship. And for that, I need you. So, if you have access to the Anchor app, you can send your questions, comments, etc. through voice message. Or simply email at counselorofkings at gmail.com with your responses, your questions, as we go on to expound on some of the things that we previously talked about, also current topics, or just life issues in general. And though, yes, this is a men's podcast, input is invited from all listeners. So join us on our next episode. I look super forward to seeing you at the Counselor of Kings podcast.